today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I'm going to get into what happened uh, yesterday in Washington, too, with the Michael Cohen testimony. Uh, Laura Babcock, our good friend from a Power Group, joins us here in studio. Thanks for coming in on a busy day. My pleasure. Uh, I'm going to call an audible here. I want to talk about Conan in a couple of seconds, sure. but uh, I, I would be remiss uh, with you, the work that you do with Power Group and, and, and public relations, uh, to, to not get your comments about what you saw last night from Ottawa as well. Absolutely. If you're going to do a late night press conference, obviously to try to contain a crisis like Trudeau did, you've got to make absolutely sure that you're setting the right tone. And last night it was tone deaf. Here we had Trudeau wearing his pink shirt for anti-bullying, the sort of feminist-in-chief prime minister, very popular. Many people across this country obviously like him. They gave him a majority the first time out of the gate. And here he was forcing Canadians to choose between his staff and their arrogance, which clearly was the pattern throughout everything we learned about the SNC-Lavalin affair. They basically said, okay, we're done We're done being nice. You know, you got to play along to get along, Jody, or you're gone. That's pretty much the messaging. It's an arrogant positioning. They had no right to try to keep coming back at her in her role as the Attorney General. So that arrogance is why people are so angry. That overreach of power, that seeming almost, uh, you know, the PMO office has tremendous power and Trudeau promised that he would be the one to take some of that power away from the PMO. Like his father, he said that there was a beautiful symmetry in history. His dad made the office too powerful and he would be the one to try to change that. He didn't. He played to the worst people believe about the Trudeau brand, that they are superficial, it's all about appearances, he just wanted to win an election. And so here we are with a guy who's quoted as saying, you know, we can have the best policy in the world, but we have to get elected. It goes to what people don't like about Trudeau. And so he had an opportunity last night to say, well, we've reviewed this and found that we have been in accordance with the law and our office felt that we were being completely ethical and professional. Clearly, we have learning to do. Clearly, uh, we put Ms. Raybone in a position that was unfair to her. And we will work together with her and with the rest of our cabinet and caucus to improve our internal practices so that we can represent the needs of Canadians, blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. He didn't give one ounce of the kind of humility that would have counterbalanced this. And what he's done is he's set people up to have to choose between him and everything they like about him and his policies and this very sympathetic woman who everyone believed in, who's also an Aboriginal, who has tremendous credibility and intelligence and tells stories better than he does. So now now what are Canadians supposed to do? The more they push against her, the worse it's going to get for them. And I, I, can't, I guess the arrogance that started this whole mess is the arrogance that they still have to get over if they're going to fix it. All right, I got to ask you because I'm, one of the things you do with Power Group, of course, is when you're consulting with, with some of your major clients, is is presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson Raybolt yesterday, her, as a, as a witness, forget about the content of what she said, but let's talk about body language. Let's mm-hmm. talk about her performance, and 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 I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean obviously you're, you're you there's a national TV audience here, and you, and you want to get your story across. How did she do? It was huge. So especially if you juxtapose the two big performances we were looking at. And, with Cohen, which we'll talk about in a moment. Cohen walked in looking to please, trying to make eye contact, nod his head, be affable, had his lawyers behind him the whole time, which we mostly watched. He looked like he needed to be supported. She walked in, did none of that, completely self-composed, didn't need people beside her or behind her. It was all her show because she knew that she had the notes. She knew that she had the memory. She knew that she had the articulation to make this all persuasive, 
from her. She was one of the top lawyers in the country. She knows what she's doing. So she was powerful. She was measured. She was very, there was a certain, in the way she laid out the timeline was something you would expect from a lawyer. She was very thorough. But what I found so compelling about her was that she used intonation. She wasn't just up there, you know, making the paint dry on the walls and us all thinking, oh my, okay, one more meeting with so-and-so from the PMO. She actually said things like, I had concerns, <laughs> you know, things that made you go, oh, okay, what is she really trying to tell us? She had limits to what she could say, but she used very, very powerful oratory skills to tell us more than the actual words. And she said at the end, this comes from her family tradition of storytelling. And so she's a very, very powerful witness of her own case. And I think that anyone watching it from any political background believed her. And this is why Trudeau trying to make it a him versus her thing is not a good strategy. Well, he's still listening to the same people that got him into trouble, and maybe that's part of the strategy he has to rethink. All right, let's switch gears to uh, to, uh, Washington. Uh, That was earlier in the day, of course, when Michael Cohen finally appeared before the uh, the House committee, and, uh, well, that was a, a, a hotbed of controversy as well. I am ashamed that I chose to take part in concealing Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to my own conscience. I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. Uh, Not unlike what we heard later in the day from Ottawa, uh, Cohen came out swinging right off the bat, didn't he? He did, and we had had his statement. He had leaked his statement the night before. It came out late late the night before, so many of us were kind of up till 3 in the morning trying to digest the 20 pages of it. Part of the reason why I think that was done is there have been efforts to intimidate him and his family, coming directly from the president's Twitter feed and from another city, uh, or another congressman who had to apologize, basically saying, I'll expose your affairs to your wife if you testify, that kind of thing, right? Uh, and so it had actually stopped him a few months ago. He was In February, he was supposed to go in front of mm-hmm. the world, and he powered away from it because of fears about his family. So they leaked the statement to make absolutely sure no matter what happened in those 12 hours, we all got to hear it. But actually hearing him say it was something different. There's a power to the spoken word. There's a power to being able to look at the body language, look at the face, check for actual remorse. And as we heard in the most powerful speech of the day, Elijah Cummings closing, he said, you know, he hung his head in shame. This was not someone reading, I'm ashamed, I shouldn't have done it. I'm, you know, I'm going to go to jail for three years, do my do my time and then have a book deal. You felt the pain coming off Michael Cohen. He's a broken man, and he's he elicited some sympathy. Maybe not empathy. Maybe you didn't understand him because you've never taken the shortcuts and made those horrible, damaging decisions that he's made. But you felt some sympathy, and you thought to yourself, "Okay." Uh, what I found most powerful, though, were the moments when he kind of broke out of all the Q and A and all of the you know the stuff that they were trying to do, and he said things like, "You know, I find it very ironic that that Trump told me he was too." He wasn't stupid. He wasn't ever going to go fight in Vietnam, and yet here he is in Vietnam watching me right now. You know, and when he said, I thought... He actually spoke to Trump a couple times. right to the camera. I'm not your fixer anymore. That's right. And these were the moments where, you know, someone made the comment, both with Raybone and with Cohen, who knew that revenge was best served at committee, which I thought (laughs) was perfect. Um, But when he looked straight into the camera, those were moments where you felt like, wow, this is something historic. This felt almost Nixonian Watergate, this idea of the emotion intensity and this is real life people this is real life stuff and my other favorite line was when he went to the meta level and I know I'm a communications geek but he said 
what I find interesting, guys, can we just step back for a second, is that this entire time you're asking me about me. And he goes, I thought I was here to testify about Trump. I know what I did. The world knows what I did. I'm ashamed for it. I'm going to jail for it. Uh, But he said, you guys are just asking about me. And he goes, as long as you continue this silliness, and I'm responsible for starting this silliness, for for downgrading the narrative, for, for getting this guy elected. I'm part of all these terrible things that are happening in America. He goes, as long as you keep acting like me and follow Trump with blind loyalty, you'll share my fate. And it was these moments that kind of broke away from what we were looking at. Wasn't that a Jacob Marley moment? Oh, yes, absolutely. Perfect. He he just turned it right around on then and simply said, keep doing it. He says, you're doing what I did for 10 years. That's right. The ghost of of crimes past or whatever you want to call it. It was incredibly powerful. And and it was a warning. And and you can't help but think that some of those senators that were just in there or some of those Congress people on the committee who were just in there trying to play a role, uh, you almost got the sense there was a directive from the White House, just attack Michael Cohen. Well, they all had the same talking point. had the same talking they, points. They talked about book deals and things. It of this was redundant. Nature. It you know the first time there was no gotcha moments. There was no moment where they really like ooh right. Um, and it's because their strategy was so full of vengeance and personal revenge for Trump, their single audience in Vietnam. They never, ever got into anything broader, you know, and so you almost watched the Republic, it almost became foolish, you know, and as a, when you contextualize that or you contrast that with Cortez, AOC, and the way that she like went with a scalpel at, at uh, Cohen and some of the other speeches, they, it was just a very weak moment. And so when he said, if you keep acting this way, you're acting like I did and you'll share my fate. I, I just, I, when is the last time you've ever seen something like that. that wasn't scripted. He was just sitting there going, guys, I know what you're doing. Uh, I did this. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm going to jail. Right? There's, there's another moment very similar to that, too, and I can't remember which one of the Republicans that was going after him. And he was berating him for actually uh, accusing Trump of being a liar and a cheat. And, and, and the, 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 the congressman said, so what does that make you? And he said, a fool. Right. Right. They were hoping he'd say again, that I'm that a liar. Was a, that was a yeah. candid moment. It was. They were hoping, well, if he's a liar, what are you, they were hoping he'd say I'm a liar and a cheat again, right? They were, yeah. they were looking for the clip. Uh, and what instead he said is it, it made me a fool. You know, he was trying to say, and I think that Elijah Cummings summed it up for him at the end, you're trying to tell us uh, basically the con that's been played on this country and that we'd better get back to the normal we had before the Trump administration, the Trump era, uh, because otherwise we're in trouble. And and so there were moments when I believed Cohen most was when he was kind of looking at other guys going, come on, guys, I, I've kind of stopped drinking the Kool-Aid. Please stop drinking the Kool-Aid for the sake of the country. Uh, and he felt badly when he said, when you needed me to tell the truth the most, this was during the election, right? When I was in front of Congress or early on, I forget the last time he was there, the time that he lied, because when you needed me to tell the truth the most, I let you down. You know, he realizes he will live with the rest of his life with the pain that he helped um, play a con, it, it looks like, on America, according to his testimony. And every time that they went after him for the very things that he was alleging of of his boss, his former boss, the president, Donald Trump, it didn't make Trump look any better. And this is why the strategy seems so personal and so off base. Yeah, sure, maybe they got some punches in on Cohen. Maybe they hurt him a little bit, but none of it made Trump look any better, you know? Again, I want to get into technique for just a second mm-hmm. here because I, I, I was getting very frustrated watching this, as I'm sure a lot of other people were. And, and some of it was the partisan attacks, and we get that. And, and, and very little talk about Trump himself. It was mostly about Cohen's character. Uh, but uh, just as a general assumption I've made watching those two things yesterday, politicians are lousy interrogators mm-hmm. because their first priority is to make political points. It's not to seek the truth. And some of these guys are lawyers. 
but they just didn't get it. Uh, that because Cohen gave them opportunity to say, well, who else was there? What was happening? They didn't do that. They just they then. It's it's like the classic example of somebody who's doing a a Q and A, Q&A and all they're doing is reading the next question. They didn't listen to the answer. Of course, there were and, opportunities and the, there, and that's why I mean that I feel as though they were a little too directed and scripted. And I think that's why he broke through the kind of fourth wall and said, "Guys, the silliness! Like, I know what you're doing. You're just repeating what Trump wants you to say. Uh, like, what are you doing here? Right? You're here to ask me questions about." whatever, Russia, Trump, the last two years, and you're spending your time on these, just this recycled attacks on him. He said, like, do the American people really care about my taxes? I'm going to jail for that, right? So what we saw from a technique point of view was uh, a very limited strategy, very scripted. That explains the redundancy. Uh, there was a couple, only people who showed up. Meadows had some dramatic moments. Uh, and Jordan, they kept throwing it back every time they got their time. No, they he was seated, the bulldog. They seeded it back to Jordan because they really had nothing. And they kept throwing it back to him. And he had a couple of moments. But you felt like you were watching them try to just perform for Trump. To just try to say, he's watching Vietnam, he's angry, and we better take it to the guy he's angry at. It was it was the most limited, um, and to your point, inconsequential testimony or, or grilling I've ever seen. Now, you contrast that again to Cortez. She didn't waste time with an opening statement to to stand on a soapbox and have her clip for her constituents. She can do that on Twitter. So she was the most powerful person effectively in that room. And so she didn't waste her time on trying to make herself look good. She spent her time going, who else knew? What else should we be looking for? How else do we get the information? She was going to use the five minutes she had with him to advance the investigation. And whatever you think about her Green New Deal or about some of her beliefs, in that room, it was best practice in terms of performance, technique, and interrogation. One of the things that they said even before he sat down there was because of his credibility or lack thereof, uh, that he had to bring something to the table. He had to bring something to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, the checks obviously were part of that, but was there enough there to, to sway people that might have been skeptical about him and his character? Well, this is where Meadows had his best moments when he said, okay, so uh, I believe it was Meadows when he said, so we've got your checks, but how do we know what they were for? Well, because I just told you, yeah, but you're a liar. Well, but Mr. Trump, did Mr. Trump email it? He doesn't use email. Did he text? He doesn't use text. So all we have to believe is your conversations with a guy who talks in code and doesn't say anything directly. So I thought that was the most powerful way of making what looked like documentary evidence a little bit less, you know, it gave some talking points for people but who But you noticed there was a quick aside there while Meadows mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, he leaned back to yeah, his, his lawyer. Yeah, his lawyer. And, and his said, lawyer said. He said, Rudy Giuliani right. said that they were for that. And that was, was the only them. time that I saw the lawyers tap him on the shoulder other than to give him water uh, to say, uh, hold on, here's your answer. Giuliani himself confirmed the communication, right? And, and he came back with that. So the, you're right, that was a gotcha moment. That, that was a clever moment from Cohen's team. But it did kind of erode the edges of that, that documentation. And that's why Cortez said, where else should we be looking? What other documents will confirm what you're saying, right? She wasn't stupid. She didn't just sit there and try to say, I believe you, I feel for your family, or Trump's a terrible president or whatever she wanted to say. She just said, okay, give us more. Where can we find more so that this credibility issue isn't a big deal? And and just the premise of that, by the way, just the idea that you can't have a liar expose another liar criminal. I mean, isn't that how courts work? Think of Sammy the Bull. I mean, the people who know the liars and the criminals are liars and criminals themselves. Birds of a feather flock together. So that's why they get these deals to come in and have their moment of fessing up, which is what yesterday was. 
The other element to this, too, is is uh, we, we can't just conflate everything that's going on here. Uh, what, mm. what Cohen said yesterday is not the t- sum total of what the Mueller investigation has done. I mean, th- that's a separate uh, issue altogether. So even some of those blanks that he couldn't fill in does not suggest for a second that the Mueller team has not already done that. We just don't know. They haven't made that presentation yet. Absolutely. And he said at the end he's in constant contact with Mueller's team, right? Uh, or with SDNY. Well, there so, were a couple of times yeah, where he said, I can't answer that can't, because it's an ongoing investigation. Because he's still going. So there, what I got out of it that we didn't know yesterday um, was – we didn't know that Michael Cohen would have those powerful moments looking right at Trump. Those, that, was, that was different. That sort of gave you a really good sense of the relationship and better insight into Trump's character and his, and his world. But what we also didn't know was, I think, the extent of what the Southern District of New York has on Trump and the family. You know, we started to hear Ivanka and, and the kids' names, right? And the fact that there seems to be multiple tracks of investigations against the Trump family in New York where you can't pardon, Trump can't pardon, you lose pardon power on state investigations, right? So I think that we got a sense that there is real legal jeopardy for Trump and his family and his organization. And Donnie Deutsch, who's a good friend of Michael Cohen, said yesterday morning that, you know, Trump will lose his buildings in this. Like this, this is just the presidency may come or go. Impeachment may happen or not happen. Um, but there are going to be long term consequences. And yesterday, listening to Michael Cohen, you got a sense of how grave that just might be. It's uh, it's not over. Uh, clearly, the, uh, the the testimony yesterday uh, is going to be uh, uh, partnered with what he's going to do behind closed doors, and that's going to be the Russian involvement. I know they touched on that briefly yesterday, mm-hmm. but I got the sense that was the tip of the iceberg. It is, and the Russian, even though the uh, so the committee is charged with. Uh, trying to figure out what's going on and hold these witnesses who lied to them to account, first of them being Michael Cohen. And so Russia, while it was part of a little bit of the subtext, Mueller's working on that. This committee wanted to understand all of the things that were going on that Michael Cohen had lied to them about. And so that, I think, opened up a lot of different paths for other oversight committees and investigations within the Commons, right, or within the uh, Congress. One thing that was clear is that had the midterms not been won by the Democrats, had they not taken the House, the amount of, of it looked like swampiness going on and still swirling around uh, would pretty be, it was pretty devastating. So, we got checks and balances yesterday. Uh, it may not do anything in terms of Trump's presidency or re-election, and I don't think the Democrats can overreach. But what we did at least see was Congress doing its job, which is to try to get some truth. And I think there'll be a lot more committee investigations based on what Cohen said. Laura Babcock, president of uh, Power Group. Thanks, as always. Great to have you here. Thanks. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.